This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 154. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Christopher <laughs> J. Graham. How you doing today, buddy? Fantastic, brother. Did you notice I only said positive thing there? I only said beautiful? Yeah, I was like, okay, right on. I, I can deal with that. It doesn't sound very good, though. Like, here's the thing. For if, if you, this is your first time you've ever heard this episode, for like 200 episodes or however long we've done, Christopher Graham is always the big, bald, beautiful co-host. Nope. Purple shirted. Purple shirted co-host. Purple yeah, shirted. Sorry. So there's a whole like intro I do with him. But yeah, so that that's that. So Christopher J. Graham, you're here with me today. I'm excited to have you on today. We got an awesome episode today. But how have you been, my friend? I've been good, but Brian, I have a confession to make. No, is it? I know. I already know before you even tell me, I already know what it is. Because if it's a confession, like just, just say it. I'll, I'll tell you if I know what it is. So while we had some time off from the podcast, I developed, I, I re-fell in love with photography. And I fell into a rabbit hole that is vintage lenses and I bought them, Brian. I bought all of them. I got so many. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about this for a second. So again, if we have any new listeners, our whole platform of our podcast has been anti-gear. We do not talk about gear. It is not what's going to make or break your career. We do not think that. We don't talk about it. Chris has always been the one that's fought this battle. It's been a constant battle and struggle for Chris Graham, his entire career in life. And I've been there to help him and get him through this, but he's had a relapse. And as our listener, we have to support Chris through his gear relapses. And uh, I'm just going to hear, I'm going to be here and say this. You are, as of today, you're one day clean from gear talk and we're not going to look back. And that's just the way this is going to be. So I'm not going to support what you just told me, but I'm going to support you moving forward in this journey together as getting you clean of this gear obsession. Is that okay? I'm working on it, man. It's it's funny because I, I procrastinate with gear. I'm like, oh, I should make a course. Oh, I should make more videos. Oh, we should record more episodes. Oh, I should actually try to get interviews for our episodes so we can launch the second show. And then I end up being like, oh, I'm just going to learn everything there is to know about uh, vintage SLR lenses adapted to mirrorless cameras. Nope, and- stop, stop. stop. You're, you're literally, you're doing it right now. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Yeah, this is, I mean, everyone has some sort of procrastination technique. Mine is like booking travel right now. It's June. 2021 for anyone listening in the future. And you're like, where, where in time are they? And, uh, you know, I just got my, my, my Johnson and Johnson shot like last week prepping for travel so I can go out of the country. And so I've been looking for cheap flights everywhere. I'm probably going to go to Spain in October or Eastern Europe. So, you know, that's my procrastinator. And so I understand it. But the problem with this is, is Chris, it's not a temporary thing. Like as soon as I book that trip, I'll stop looking this stuff up. I'll Mm -hmm. stop procrastinating by looking up trips. This is a constant battle for you. So let's, Let's just table this discussion for later because I know this is not the last time we're going to come up. And let's talk about our, our interview that we have today because mm. I don't want to hold our audience back from what we've got today. Today we have a, what I would call, I'd call this interview a kick in the ass for anyone who needs some motivation. Our interview is with Scotty Russell of the Perspective Podcast. And for those who don't listen to this podcast, it is an excellent companion to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. He is, you know, we'll give you some very specific tactics and he'll kick your ass into gear. So you'll actually go do those tactics. And uh, in, in this interview, we, I mean, we talk about so much, Chris, do we even really need to talk anymore? About, I think we like, just launch in because he's, yeah. it's a great interview. He, yeah. He's just like, he's so energetic and you're going to feel, if you're feeling down on yourself right now and you're feeling like, Hey, I just, I don't have what it takes to make it in my 
in my creative endeavors or whatever. This interview is going to change that for you. It's going to get you through to the end to, to take that, what we called scary next step. You mm-hmm. know what we're talking about at the end. So without further delay, this is our interview with Scotty Russell. Scotty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, my dude. What's going on, Brian? What's going on, Chris? Thanks for having me. So let me let me say a little bit. I know we already did the whole intro spiel here on your uh, interview here, but I do I do want to say something while you're on this call. When we shifted from Six Figure uh, Home Studio to Six Figure Creative, we did a little research. We saw what else is out there. And there's two things that when we saw this, we said, Scotty has to come on this podcast. The first is your podcast art for the Perspective Podcast is the most single incredible piece of art I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. For those who haven't seen it, look it up on whatever podcast app you have right now. It is, and I'm just doing this by memory. So if I mess any of these details up, please let me know. It is Abraham Lincoln riding a raptor or T-Rex, a dinosaur of some sort, with a pizza flag on the moon or some other celestial object. Is that an accurate description of your podcast art? It's pretty freaking accurate, man. Okay, so furthermore, when we saw that art and then we read through your to- your uh, episode topics and we saw an episode titled, and I quote, Espresso Yourself by Any Beans Necessary. Being the coffee nerds that Chris and I are, we roast our own coffee beans. We're like super coffee, like extra nerds. We said, all right, Scotty's our dude. He's coming on the podcast right now. Coffee so, caffeinated kick series. That was a three-part series, man. All about coffee puns. That is awesome. So we knew we had to get you on and we're excited to get you on this podcast. So I wanted to start uh, this talk, this conversation here on something that I found about you that is a subject that is near and dear to Chris and I's heart. It's one of the reasons we started the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. And that is you went to college and you got the college degree and you went into the college degree debt. And that was kind of the start of your career. And I wanted to start there because you have a, you seem to have a pretty, pretty strong opinion on that whole career track for creatives. I'd love to, to start there with you and get your thoughts on college in general for creatives. I am just learning over the years through trial and error and getting burned that there's no one way of doing things. And maybe I'm a bit of a tin hat oil kind of guy, or I'm just not a big fan of the traditional way of this is how it's always been done. It's in your best interest. You need to go balls deep in debt in order to work a safe nine to five job, making someone else's dream happen until you can finally earn the right to retire in your 60s. And now you are able to enjoy the fruits of your labor and now life opens up. Now you can start doing what you really, really wanted to do. And that, uh, that doesn't vibe with me too well. And then I've always like followed the system because my parents like, like, this is what you got to do. This is the right way. But always like growing up, I was drawing like Pokemon drawings for like 25 cents on the playground. You know, I was drawing (laughs) tattoos. I was making logos for people in college. I was always like hustling on the side at a t-shirt company, um, like right after graduating college, always, always doing something. So like I always had this untraditional path within me and yeah, I just wasn't going to accept that this was the only route because it ended up not being a so safe job. And I see how my parents didn't get to live the way they wanted to. So they invested in me and then just I invested in myself. I learned more outside of college than I learned in college. And then I dug myself a super deep hole because I want to play football in college. And really, I didn't get the greatest degree, maybe half of what they were teaching. And then the other half of me just not applying myself. But yeah, that's the skinny. So basically, you kind of got whipped into that preset path. And so again, if you went that path, we're not we're not saying negative things about anyone that has gone that path. Yep. Not knocking it. Right. But I am saying that it, that is not the necessary path. And I'd love to know how you went from that path where you were college debt, I believe, and you were, 
you know, not really happy with your situation. Like, how did you go from that into starting your career in design? Honestly, it was just showing up and creating each day. When I graduated, let's see, in 2010, I graduated with a degree in communication, graphic design, dabbled in web design for like two weeks in Dreamweaver, didn't know (laughs) what the hell I was doing. That app Um, is terrible. (laughs) It was horrible. And I didn't really know Photoshop that well. I didn't know InDesign that well, but I loved Illustrator. Like I'm a vector junkie behind the scenes. Nice. But I graduated, my portfolio sucked butt. No one would hire me and I was just a victim and just blaming the world. What was me? But on the side, I was still like doing logos, still drawing tattoos, tried doing a t-shirt company. Like I always just stayed in the mix. I couldn't turn it off. Um, I had an incredible festival experience one time that like reignited my love for just drawing again. So I got over this like only graphic design is the only route to make money. I grew up with no cable. So Bob Ross was the only artist that (laughs) I knew was making fat stacks of cheddar. I'm like, I can't paint well. I don't know any squirrels that can be in my pocket while I paint, you know? So like <laughs> painting career is not there, but I like woke up, started drawing and started building a little audience on Instagram in 2013. I remember when I had like less than a hundred followers, got like 10 likes, but I just started finding my groove. I was creating, listened to a lot of personal development at that time. Cause I was just getting out of a really rough rut, you know, three years, rock bottom, super depressed, suicidal. It was really, really, really mm. dark place and uh, drawing and personal development stuff saved my life. And so that's what I created within my work because that's what I needed and my past self needed to just like stick with it. And things started to grow, started to grow this audience. I landed my first job doing car ads and I'm like, okay, here we go. I showed that I can do it by me just being consistent, throwing my stuff out there and staying in front of people existing. People saw me and like three different people and one night mentioned my name to this guy who was needing to replace a graphic designer, like ASAP. And that's what landed me my first job like three years later after I almost gave up. I worked at a restaurant selling tenderloins. I smelling like tenderloins. I coached high school football. I was a personal trainer, just like doing all the things, just trying to find my lane because I couldn't get hired in the art and design world. But then once I got that first job, I just got obsessed. I'm like, okay, hey, I made this happen by being consistent and betting on myself. So let's continue to bet big on myself. And Within that year, at that first job in like 2013, 2014, I busted my ass, built my portfolio, applied for the next big boy corporate job. I worked corporate for a while and started Perspective Collective in 2014 after my t-shirt company thing kind of fizzled out. And that's when things just rapidly started taking off. I was drawing every day. I was doing freelance between all those years of 2014 to 20. 21, I've done a drawing turned to blogging and freelancing. Then that led to public speaking. That led to teaching workshops. That led to selling merch online. Then that led to coaching and affiliates and copywriting, email marketing. Did I say podcasts already? Like all the things. <laughs> so it's just been a non-linear path of a lot of ups and downs. And I thought like freelance was the only way. I thought the people that I looked up to, they were all big time freelancers and sold their own merch. I was like, here we go. This is what I got to do. This is the carrot I'm chasing. No one's going to take me seriously unless I'm a full-time freelancer with big clients and my select client list. And you know, and people are buying my merch. That's how I know I made it. And I was just climbing up the wrong ladder um, for so long. And yeah, it put me in weird check. I was chasing someone else's path, like an Andy J. Miller. I was trying to do what he was doing or uh, Aaron Draplin or Elisa Congdon, you know, big names, big clients and big merch. And I'm like, actually, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to be the best of these things. I just need to find my own path. So this whole experiment over the years has just literally been like, okay, how do I blaze my own path 
carve out my own little lane and find my groove, you know, find my voice and style and how can I make an impact on people because that's what I needed to give back to all the people who like raised me from the dirt over the years, you know, when I almost gave up. So that's an a long-winded answer. I don't even know if I answered your question. <laughs> I think you did. I think that was awesome. Yeah, I, I think you answered that and just brought up a bunch more questions as well. So it's it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it sounds like your path to success started, the first thing that helped that path was building an audience first. Is that correct? Honestly, the first thing was just like, stop being a little and just start <laughs> doing what you want. You don't need a permission slip. And so I just started drawing, you know, just like totally, I'm just going to create what I want to create right now. If I'm vibing to it, then that's great. You know, and then the audience started coming. And then I was going down slippery slopes of like, I want to create what I think people want to see. What could get a feature? What's trendy? You know, then I kind of went down that road a little bit and had to get back on path of what started me in the first place. But I would say it's truly just falling in love with what I was putting out into this world. It meant something to me. It was an escape from being broken in debt and not feeling good about my body and jealousy and envy of people I graduated with making way more than I was with great jobs. And yeah, so I think it was first just accepting like, yo, let's just get to what got me here. You know, I was an artist my whole life and I didn't share it because I was scared of getting picked on and bullied even more than I was. So I was a closet artist my whole life, but that was always my escape. So I had to get back to my roots. And then the audience would be like the second stage, you know, I had to do me first. So when you were creating this start, you were, you were fine creating and like, and I love that you were doing that. What were you doing with these pieces of art or whatever that you were creating? What were you doing with those pieces? Were you sharing them, on, them Instagram? on Instagram and stacking up a sketchbook, dude? Like I had zero pressure to monetize in the beginning. I'm like, I got my big boy job. Now I'm just like all in on building my drawing skills and having some fun with my work, you know, zero pressure. Got it. I think the, the big thing, and you, you touched on this and I'd like for you to kind of elaborate a little bit, is you were always scared to put yourself out there as an artist, which means you couldn't improve because you weren't actually doing your craft at all, or you were a closet artist. How, what is, how does one break out of being a, clo a closet artist? Because I feel like so many people can relate to this. They have this mental block where they think they might be good at something or they want to be good at something, but then they never put the art out into the world because of self-doubt, imposter syndrome, some other mental thing holding them back. How, how do you break out of that? Man, most people are just in their own way, but I feel like you just need advocates. You got to get around like-minded people. Like I had a buddy, Tyson Salzberger, who stumbled across my huge stack of sketchbooks in college. He's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, put these out there. And I'm like, nobody's going to take them seriously bugged me for months, bugged me for months. And then I just put out, this was like early days of Facebook when you needed a college email address mm. to get on. And I'm like, nobody's going to take this seriously. So I'm going to make a Facebook album called Doodles. And it's still there. And I made like a Doodles 2, a Doodles 3. And I just called them Doodles. I didn't call them art. And that was before I was like Instagram and everything else. So I think most of us are just in our own way, trapped in our own head. Three biggest fears. I think I got this from Lewis Howes at a conference once, but, uh, Fear of failure, fear of judgment, and then fear of success. So a lot of people don't deal with the fear of success, but now I feel like mm. I've entered that realms with the next season and leg that I'm in. But in the beginning, it was uh, fear of judgment. Like, wow, I'm going to get even further bullied if I claim I'm an artist. You know, I'm not going to be cool if, if I'm an artist. Like, again, I'm not Bob Ross here. So, <laughs> but I think it's just having someone like an advocate, a voice of reasoning, because the inner critic is always like dialed up on the decibel of like shouting at you. So it's empowering that inner voice of reason and getting around people who like a safe place or encouragers, you know, cheerleaders around you. So to me, I had that one dude who was always on my ass about it. And 
my biggest fears didn't come true. Nobody was hating me. You know, I've gotten a lot of hate. I've, I've dealt with a lot of mean people over the years, but I feel like the good far outweighs the negative, even though we like to hold on to the negative. I can remember like the negative things way more than all the positives, but mm. yeah, I just needed someone else to like be my champion and get on me about doing it. And so I want to be, oh my God, that sounds so dumb. I want to be <laughs> other people's champion. <laughs> that sounds so well, that's, that's kind of what you're doing with the perspective podcast though, isn't it? It's like you're basically being that voice of reason for people who don't have the good network of friends and encouragers around them. We have an episode on our, on our podcast backlog and I can't find it right now. I have my whole backlog here in front of me and I'll, I'll look for it later. But where we talked about, we've talked about this many times, actually, Chris, how you're kind of the average of the people you surround yourself with yeah. the most. Jim Rohn's yes. uh, quote, you know, some yeah. of five people. Yeah. Yeah. And then like every person ever has just kind of ripped that quote off and claim it as their own. I'm not claiming that as my own, by the way, or our own from the podcast. I just know we've talked about it on the podcast. Anyways, so with that, were there any kind of relationships you had to cut off that were toxic that were holding you back around that time? Oh, yeah. I call it trimming the fat. What I even put a post, it's like, sorry, I'm going to pull this up real quick. Do it. We got, we got editors helpful. to edit dead space out if we need okay. to. Or we Three can leave this in and say, this is what podcasting is, y'all. Sometimes we go off the beaten path and <laughs> things get weird. So yeah, three types of people to avoid. These are three types of people I've had to avoid over the years so I can just stay in my own lane and keep doing me and investing big on myself. And I call this trimming the fat. So uh, time thieves, I had to get rid of those people who didn't value my finite time. They held it hostage, being late to things or flaking on me or just wasting my time in general. I had to get away from dream black holes. Um, the people that were just like suffocating and shitting on my ambitious goals and my dreams and then the third type of person I was having to avoid and clip out of my life are energy vampires, the type of people who suck the joy out of the room with their negative sob stories, the victim mentality. And fun fact, I've been all three of these people before. Oof. You know, so these were uh, the three type of people I've had to slowly distance myself from, cut out, really good friends. But I, I'm in an area, Waterloo, Iowa, where I grew up in. It's like a, it's a very big black hole, high, one of the highest crime rate cities in the nation. You know, it's not just all farms in Iowa over here. And a lot of my friends are like now in prison or locked up or drug addicts or just whatever it is. And I've had to like escape that lifestyle. And cause that could have been me. That's like all my old people I used to kick it with there uh, unless they'd got out themselves. So yeah, those are like the three types of people. And those are I have to monitor now. Sometimes it's family, which is crazy. But at the end of the day, you have all these external naysayers, these external non-believers trying to crush your spirits because one, they probably think they're protecting you when two, it's really that they lack the courage to put themselves out there, or bet on themselves, or they failed big at a grand scale and they were scared to shoot their shot again. So they're trying to keep you safe or they're jealous, like crab bucket mentality. Like one crab tries to get out, mm. pull the crab down. The crab tries to get out again. They break its legs. If it tries to get in, then they hammered and kill the crab, you know? So I've never heard that. Yeah. That's brutal. We've talked about that on the show. I've talked about that. No, yeah, you haven't. You lied. Yes, I have. So yeah, yeah, if you have a, a bucket full of crabs and one of them tries to crawl out, the other crabs will grab the crab and pull him back down. Savages, man. That's Savages. real. That's a real thing. That's not just like, here's an analogy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's talk about betting on yourself. You've mentioned that a few times on here. And that seems to be, I would say if we are talking about things that have helped you a lot in your career is taking those bets on yourself. How do you know when it's time to take a bet? and that you're making the right bet. I don't know if you ever know if you're making a right bet, yeah. but big believer, woo-woo, fear is like either your best friend or your biggest enemy at the end of the day. So if there's something you're really, really stoked about, 
it excites you, it keeps you up at night, but man, it makes you want to like poop your pants and makes you so scared that people are going to judge you this or that. To me, like that fear really is excitement. But the lizard brain, we're caveman mentality, we're wired, our brain's wired to keep us safe. So it can't measure what we could gain. It can only measure what we would lose. So like taking a risk that scares you, you know, your brain's like, yeah, you sure you want to do that, Scotty? You know, this, this, and this could happen. You could lose this. But really it's like your gut, your intuition, your instincts, your soul is all trying to like push you forward and nudge you to the next version of yourself. Mm. And we just like to play it safe. We like to passively exist. And so now I'm like, okay, if I can do like one thing that terrifies me each year, I know I'm going to look back on a year full of extreme growth. And that's what I work on with my students, like with coaching and stuff. I'm like, okay, you're scared to get on camera. Watch this. Watch this over this 12 weeks together. You're scared to show your storytelling side. Watch this. You're scared to start a podcast. Scared to, okay, it's just going to reveal the next level of growth for you. So I'm a big believer that fear is like an indicator for sure. You know, so if something scares you, it's probably something you're supposed to be doing. And that's been the case for everything that I've ever done. And my biggest regret and someone's biggest regret is not starting it sooner. Like me being scared to start a blog, my blog never blew up, but it led me to the podcast and it got me my first speaking opportunity. Me almost saying no to my first speaking opportunity because I was so scared would have robbed me of like my second talk getting picked up in front of like a thousand people. It's the second time I ever spoke because the first one went so well and that exploded everything, which led me to the podcast. So every time I wanted to say no and I said yes, like amazing, incredible things have happened. That's That's what I want to like drill into my students noggins or whoever's listening because it's so true. That's been a a big thing that I've learned as well too. So when our podcast took off, um, I started doing a lot of business coaching as well. And it, it was wild. At this point, I've worked with Amy, Grammy, and Tony winners. And what blows my mind is like, usually they come in because they want more customers or because their systems aren't good enough. They need to be able to work faster and they need to be able to automate some parts of, of their job. But usually what, it, what ends up happening is it's fear. It's they're afraid to do this one thing. And it's funny because like I'm not marketing myself as a guru on that. I struggle with that as much or more than anybody and, you know, I've been on this whole journey this last year of, of doing what you're saying, of learning that, like, if there is a path in front of me and that path is do the next scary thing. And if you do that next scary thing, it doesn't have to be like, you know, something insane, but just the next scary thing. Take the smallest bite you possibly can bite to get so that you've made a step forward. And I think that's where you start to see growth. And that's, that's what I've seen with the people that I coach as well, is just when they lean into that scary thing. And it doesn't go as bad as they thought it would. And then they get more courage to lean to that next scary thing. Yeah. And that next scary thing, it's interesting because it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But you don't notice that these things are getting scarier. Your next scary thing two years ago would have made you wet your pants. But now it's only a little bit bigger than the last scary thing that you did. Normalize it. Normalize it's, yes. Uh, it's consistent, uncomfortable hmm. action. You know. But then having faith that I don't know what the end result's going to be, but I'm going to trust the ball's going to bounce my way if I just continue to like show up. I, I say action reveals answers. And I'm like, okay, it, progress is progress. And me blogging, it never blew up, but it led me to the next thing. The The next path revealed itself, like in like a video game, completing a quest kind of thing. Dude, yeah. Well, and I'm sure you're a big fan of uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yeah. Dude, what's his, what's that author's name again? I'm totally oh, What blind. is that? I didn't even heard of that. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. So Hero with a Thousand Faces is this book about the hero's journey. And I'm totally blanking on the author's name. It's super famous. And he wrote this book. I'm in the middle of it right now. 
And it talks about how every hero's journey has a lot of the same patterns in it. And this book is crazy. It's like every screenwriter in Hollywood ever has read this book. And like sort of the most famous version of it is George Lucas read Hero with a Thousand Faces and then wrote Star Wars. And it's funny because I think in a creative career, there's a lot of this hero's journey thing going on too, where there's, you, you get a call and then you reject the call and then you find a guide. Like all of these things completely parallel every creative journey I've ever been on and also every sort of mental health journey I've ever been on as well too. That there's just, there's something happening where there's just stages of this journey that are important and the fear and learning to do the next scary thing are just so important. Yeah, agree. And just accepting that you're not going to have it all figured out and it's okay if it doesn't work out. Like most people just are in their own way. They don't bet on themselves. I keep saying that because they're like, well, what if I don't know what the end result's going to be? You know, I'm tentative to put in the effort. I'm like, well, it's never going to happen if you don't do it. So like give yourself a shot. That's a so, big thing. I realize a lot of people are in their own way because they're scared and they're afraid the fruits of their labor won't amount into what they were seeking. I'm like, dude, I guarantee it's probably going to evolve into something way more dope than you could have ever imagined. Like me, instead of forcing freelance to work, like I do freelance if I wanted to, I could be really good at it if I wanted to. But like the path of coaching just lit me up in a different way because of conversations like this. Like I, I'm hoping to bypass and remove some hurdles or lessen the, the failures for another creative versus the show I had to deal with to get to this point. You know, how can I like bypass this or reduce in the burden of it all to let you see like, yo, let's play the big picture here. How can we like set some big picture targets our line are like have a vision or whatever working towards in the macro, keeping it flexible, but then like aligning our short term day to day. So we're showing up with intent versus like, I'm just showing up and winging it, chasing vanity metrics and wondering why I can't get that breakthrough when you don't have something you're strategically chasing that is like purposeful play. It's fun. You're good at it. You're passionate about it. And then not having the pressure to monetize it right away so it can organically grow on its own to where you can find where the demand or the solution, the unique value proposition you provide, you know? So like it's, it's gotta be play at first because then when it starts to become a business and then you got to do the back end stuff and everything else, it's like, man, but this is play at the end of the day. I show up clocking into my dope ass studio, having the coffee that I love and got my cats on my lap. And I get to like come in and just like work with dope ass people every day on coaching calls, creating cool products, doing a podcast. That's so cool. And I didn't learn any of that in school. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't learn any of that in school. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to be known as a designer artist anymore. I'd rather be known as a coach. I love that. And what you're saying about school really, really resonates with me. Because obviously, you know, anyone listening to this podcast, none of us are anti-education. We're clearly about as pro-education as it gets because we read books. But I had a weird experience with school too, where it was, it was frustrating to be taught by people how to go exist in the free market when they themselves didn't have to exist in the free market because the, the school system is, is shut off from the free market. Tenure, this idea that like, hey, after you've taught for a while, we'll make it so you can't be fired, could not be more antithetical than to what the free market is. And it's tricky. You get in and like, there's valuable stuff, but after you get out of college, you did learn some good stuff, but you, what they didn't tell you is that half of what you learn in college or anywhere else for that matter is a bunch of bullshit and you have to pick it out and figure out, well, that was like 
toxic and I need to not have taken that to heart. And that's why it's been so tricky for me to hire people fresh out of college. It's so hard because it's like, well, they need to go get their back broken in the real world and learn this whole like half of what you learn you need to throw away thing yeah. before they're going to be of any use to me because they're going to walk in with a degree and be like, well, my professor told me, well, your professor hasn't had a client in 30 years. Sorry. <laughs> right, right. I'm like, dude, I'm learning that you can go and teach yourself graphic design online. And as if, if your work speaks for itself and you're not like a racist jerk when you're in an, in an interview, you can hold a conversation, speak towards your values, speak towards with conviction and have dope work to provide it. Like there's no reason you can't get a job versus someone who got a fancy degree and their portfolio is not as good as yours. And that goes for not just job, but if you're going for freelance clients or whatever you're trying to build, you can, you can do it without that degree. And that's, that's kind of the whole like platform that we've built, been on this whole time is that the old path is dead. You don't need a, a crazy degree. You don't need to. And in our world, in the audio world, it's the other trap you fall into is buying a load of gear. And we've always been anti-gear in our podcast. Where we don't even talk about it. We had an alert, yeah, Chris an alarm. Chris fancy webcam over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not, I have hey, a little less adherent Chris, to that. Uh, Chris actually has always been the biggest receiver of our, we had a uh, alert. We'll call it the gear the gear lust alert is what we'll call it right now. It would go off anytime someone mentioned a specific piece of gear. Chris has that alert more than any other person on our oh, podcast because yeah. he has the biggest gear acquisition problem. So we're going to move on I from like that. I like the toys. Yes, he, he does like the toys. So you said something, you, you want to be known as a coach. So you've actually, you, you brand yourself as a side hustle coach on your website around- Oh, that's genius. I didn't know that. That's like, yeah, something new as of like 2020, man, just dove all in and I'm just like rebranding even further right now. And it's scary. That's amazing. I, l let me just, from my perspective, that is such good branding. Like coming from where, where I'm at as a business coach myself as well, the market for people that need help with their side hustle is insane. Stumbled into it, man. And it feels gross even saying it in the beginning. Like, hey, I am a creative side hustle growth coach. I'm like, I make six figures off a job I made up. You know, I didn't go to school for it. So it's just, it's all weird. It's super yeah. weird. I want to talk about the side hustle coach thing, but I actually want to talk about the path to get there first, because yeah. you mentioned something that sparked something in my head. And that is like the thing that holds people back from pursuing what they want to do is not knowing every damn step from A to Z. They have to know every damn step and have a plan from A to Z before they're willing to take step A. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, 
We do a deep dive on your business. We figure out what's missing and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. And there's something I heard, I don't know where it is, but it's just like, if you're driving from New York to LA, you don't have to have the entire journey in front of you and every step of the way and turn in front of you. You just need to know your next turn. And if it's at nighttime, you just need to see a, a mile or so in front of you. And that's all you need to see to get from New York to LA, as long as obviously you're not missing turns. And if you, if you miss turns, it's just going to take a little longer to get there. Eventually, as long as you're going West, you're going to get to LA. That's kind of the gist of that whole spiel. And I think that you're a good example. And that's what I'll, I'm going to deem this your superpower. I talk about superpowers a lot in this podcast. That's your superpower, Scotty, is you're willing to take step A without knowing what step Z is in that process. So you took step A in, uh, in co- after college or during college where you're writing, you're finally putting yourself out into the world, overcoming a fear. You never knew that that was gonna eventually become side hustle coach and making six figures doing that and making up a job position that didn't even exist back then. You were just taking step A, not knowing where it was gonna eventually lead. Who the hell knows where this will lead 10 years from now? I, I could have never told anyone ever what I would be doing now <laughs> 10 years ago. I, That's so I, dope. Yes. So like, dope. It makes no sense. Like I, I was always just going to have a recording studio, but now I have like five different businesses. I, and I have two software companies. I have a podcast agency that I'm starting up now. I still have my studio stuff. I have the six figure creative. This, I mean, I have all these things that I do and it was all because I have taken just the next step in whatever that I do. And if an opportunity comes up, I pounce on it. And so you seem like you're cut from that same cloth, Scotty. That's all mm. I wanted to say. So Let's talk about the side hustle coach thing. I like your, your tagline here. I'm big on messaging. I love good messaging. And I read this and I said, this is good stuff. I help creatives blaze their own path to side hustle success outside their day job. Love that line. And there's three things that you help people do. You say, I empower them to get out of their own way, which is some of the things we've talked about so far, to take massive action, which is the thing that people don't do. I know this enough when I sold a course, I've been selling courses for a while. Like, I know people that buy a course, never touch it. And then they buy some other course because they think that's going to solve the world and they take no action and they get no, no result from that. And then you help them experience rapid growth. Can you talk about some of these things like that you, like what are some of these things that you help every damn student through because they, this is like the roadblock that every single creative has and you always have to break down that barrier for them. So the first one, get out of their own. Honestly, I would say at the end of the day, my mission is to put someone in a position to do their thing full-time one day. And I do that with mindset, motivation, and marketing. You know, marketing is like, first, you need to get out of your own way, empower yourself, bet on yourself, really come at it like, hey, I don't need a permission slip from any external source. I can just do my thing. 
and figure it out along the way, realizing like it's not going to happen overnight. You know, the mindset of playing the long game and giving yourself permission, uh, a permission slip like, yo, I have a seat at the table. I need to come and take my shot. So that's big, like just rewiring people's mindset. That's probably the number one thing I work on with my students is just mindset. I'm a mindset coach, I would say, honestly, at the re- at the end of the day. And then the motivation part is like, I, I played sports, you know, I was always like the captain on a team, the rah-rah, lift people's spirits. You know, when I was serving at a restaurant, I wasn't the manager, but I was the go-to guy to keep the, the, the spirits up, you know, cheering people on, making people like feel good about themselves at the end of the day. That's honestly, that's probably my superpower is just knowing how to like say things to get people emotionally charged to take action. And then the last thing, once we've got the mindset going and once we've like really feeling good about ourselves and acting on the warm and fuzzies versus letting that just like subside and then you're back to not doing a damn thing but sitting on your thumbs, which would be really uncomfortable. Um, Then I layer on like, let's start flipping on the marketing switches. Who's your perfect person? What are the psychographics and the demographics of them? How do you... How do you promote yourself in a non-sleazy, gross way? How do you build a brand around yourself? I know personal brands are a buzzword people don't like, but I'm like, actually, everybody's a personal brand. Where anytime you're even at the supermarket and someone's like, hey, what's your favorite cereal or what's your favorite brats at the meat counter? You're selling your idea to someone. So we're all personal brands. But how do we be more intentional and strategic about what we're doing? How do we control the value that we're providing this world? Are we educating people? Are we entertaining them? Are we inspiring them? Are we doing the holy grail and mixing and matching all three of them. So I try to like really level on the next tier of things. Hopefully that that makes sense. But mm. I would say it's getting out of your own way. Gosh, can you re- read those off to me again? Getting out of your own way. <laughs> you got you to gotta internalize that, Scott. You got to, to, to say <laughs> in your sleep. It's been a while, man. It's been a while. No, it's, it's always okay. like the intro of a podcast or something. So I don't have yeah. to say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, unless I'm like, going up for like a talk. So uh, get out of your own way. Take massive, uncomfortable action. Yep. I like to change that now to consistent, uncomfortable action. Because massive is great. Like just starting a podcast, it's massive. But if you're consistently doing uncomfortable things, that's going to lead to the opportunity to take massive action. And then the last one is... Experience rapid growth. Experience rapid growth. And for me... All of that is the result of betting on yourself, going all in, not seeking the permission slips. And hopefully at the end of the day, I know you're talking about you can get to L.A. through New York, but in the form of a hero's journey, I just want to be that GPS for someone. You know, I want to be the guy that I'm here just like giving them guidance and directions like, yo, you could take this path in my safety time, but also this path might work too. Hey, there's a gas station up here if you want to fuel up and consume the right way. And along the way, I'm like, hey, let's also put self-care. I used to always be about the hustle, 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 grind, 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 Gary V old stuff. And man, I got rapid progress, but did I burnt myself out, burnt relationships, hurt my wife at times because I was so obsessed with my work. And I'm just, I'm a recovering workaholic. I love this. To having a conversation like this, I could do this every day. I love this. But at the same time, I realized, okay, if I'm that guy, I can also be like, hey, we need a breakaway. We need to go take some walks during the day. We need to eat right. We need mm. to fuel your body. Your, your, your body's a car. You can't run on E. You know, you got to rest, recharge. If you're a Tesla, you got to fuel yourself up with good fuel, good foods, you know, consume the right things in your mind. So it's like an all around, let's get your money straight. You know, let's get your ass out of debt. Let's start building and worry about your financial future. You got a Roth started. You got a 401k you're contributing and getting a match. So I don't want it to just be like, hey, I'm creating dope work and getting likes and features and comments. It's it's so much bigger than that. Like what I want to create and work on with people is like, I feel like if you're thriving all around and your creativity is going to be 
better. If you're taking care of yourself, you're working out, you're eating good, your creativity is going to be better. The ability to make better relationships, to attract more better opportunities in your way. So it's more than just creating dope work if you're working with me or if you consume something with me or if you have a conversation with me. I want you to walk away feeling fired up and I'm ready to go like tackle the new facet of my life to improve myself. I think that's dope. So dope. And I think what's so cool about what you're talking about is, is sort of our bread and butter is creative freelancers who provide a service. What's more creative than plotting a path forward through your career? I love like there's a certain type of art called Bauhaus. Yeah. And there's this, one of my favorite designers, his name is Dieter Rams. And what they're really obsessed with is it's sort of like mid-century modern, but it's functional and beautiful. And Dieter Rams is sort of the king in this, like, I make incredibly beautiful art, but it also can like shave your face or tell time or be a radio. And I'm fascinated by the, the combination of aesthetic and that's business coaching. That's helping people figure out, that's the helping people navigate a side hustle because I think what most people don't understand and the lie that is perpetuated by big education is that there is only one path to success. The American scheme, not the American dream. Ooh, fire. So we scheme and dream yeah. to carve out our own lanes. That's, that's what we do on totally. the Totally. And I think what's so funny about that is the people that are preaching the American scheme are uneducated because they haven't read any history books. If they did, they would see that every single person that changed the world or, or was outlandishly successful did something nobody else was doing. They were crazy at first. You know, Einstein was like freaking a patent clerk who in his spare time would write papers and send them in to like organizations to try and get them published. What a weirdo. What a weirdo. What um, is he doing? Yeah. Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> How dare you not to do what we all do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a funny thing. Like, like one of my favorite posters that's hanging upstairs, my friend Ryan has, and it's a picture of, of three cavemen. And there's a caveman with a hammer and chisel making a wheel. And in the background, there's two cavemen snickering saying, it'll never work. And I, I love that. That just sums up, I think, the biggest misconception about making a go on your own, about starting your own business, about taking your own side hustle or your own like hobby and turning it into a career is when someone tells you that will never work. I mean, that's, that's exciting. That's says what a lot you about hear. yourself. If you're the type of person to fold like a lawn chair to what the external naysayers have to say versus yeah. like, okay, okay. It's, it's time to like, give this a shot. And I'm, it's a slow and steady grind. Yeah. But let me, let me push back a little bit. Cause I, I know some people that would say, well, it's easy to push back on those naysayers when you've had some success. But what if, who am I? Like, I, I am a nobody. How do I get those voices out of my head? How do I keep from caring what they think or say when I have no proven track record? Like, how, mm. do, I, how do I get that first win as a creative? Ooh, consumption, consume wisely. What are you consuming? Are you consuming things that serve you or are you consuming things that like slowly fill you up? You know, to like put you to a point like, okay, if I'm listening to like, personal development and marketing books versus like, I don't know, something that just watching like YouTube videos on cats, you know, that's dope and all, but like consuming wisely to uh, prime the pump is what I'd like to say. And then second, start small. You know, I work with creatives who have are, are freshly new minted creatives who just started creating, like no idea where to start, no idea where to begin. Work with people who've been doing it for a while, looking to take the next step. And I look for people who are like, hey, I'm making some profit, but like, I'm ready to turn it up. Like, let's really like, 
dial things in and uh, be more profitable what you're doing. But I think to the person just starting off is don't have the pressure to monetize this right away. You know, you're going to suffocate the joy, potentially, I'm not going to say this for everyone, not blanket statements. I'm trying to really work on that, but I really want to advise not to have the pressure on yourself to monetize what you're doing right away because it can so easily suffocate the joy out of what you're doing and get you into it for the wrong reason. You're climbing up the wrong ladder against the wrong wall right now. So if it's not something you truly enjoy and that you, maybe you're good at it, but you don't truly enjoy it at the end of the day, when like the business part starts coming on, you're like, I don't want to show up. This sucks. This isn't convenient. But if you really, really enjoy what you're doing, it's way easier to show up when it's not convenient, but start small, gamify the system. Like instead of feeling like I got to do hand lettering every day for 365 days, I'm like, yo, do a small series of three of one word, you know, like how can you make the game easy to win? Instead of eating the full extra large Papa John's family style pizza in one bite, like take one slice and take one bite at a time. And as you chew and digest and you normalize that, goes through your system, take the next bite. Maybe it's a little bigger, you know, so slow. Maybe you're going to use garlic sauce this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dip that stuff in ranch, dog. But uh, to me, it's like small wins. Small wins over time compound. It's like compounding interest, compounding impact, compounding gains, whether it's in the gym or within your creative career pursuits. But I really believe in like, if we can just track, I call it hoarding victories. If you can just track the small little wins, check off the box that you showed up today, even if it's 15 minutes a day, I think it's like, if you work 15 minutes a day for 30 days, that equals to an eight hour day, somewhere rough around that. So people tell me they don't have time. I'm like, dude, I work with students who literally only have 15 minutes a day to grind and they get incredible results within a year. So it's small little victories, consuming wisely, gamify, objectivity, having a target, like here is the criteria of what I want to do versus like, I'm just going to show up and wing it each day and hope something happens, you know, like have some constraints, constraints breed creativity. So I love that advice. I think that is incredible advice for people that are trying to get that first win, trying Mm -hmm. to build their confidence. I'm curious though, how do you said something that that caught my ear that I'd love to get your thoughts on Scotty, because this is a constant battle I have with people. How do you balance that selfish creative desire to just do what I'm passionate about with the free market of that thing that you're passionate about has to be valuable for someone to want to pay you for it. How do you go for the, cause there's, mm. there is a balance between just blindly chasing money because there's money there. And like, Hey, this, this specific niche has a ton of money in it. So I'm going to go there versus the too selfish of saying, I love to do this and I care about doing this. So I'm going to try to monetize this, even though no one else cares about it. How, how do you, how do you navigate your coaching clients through that sort of battle of, Selfish versus valuable. Man, like I think of Brennan, who I just had recently, and he comes from a startup world. There's always the ROIs. I'm from corporate world too. It's like, okay, how do we measure what we're doing and measure our results? How can we speak to the ROI and give it to the, the, the clients and quarterly goals? Like I've been in that world, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, it's gotta be, in my opinion, something you truly enjoy. I talk at the sweet spot, the overlapping of something you're really good at or drive to be good at for something you like really enjoy, like time stands still. And to me, the third part of that, once you found your groove or found the potential of the sweet spot, you know, you found that lane that you can operate within and you just, you can't wait to work on it the next day, even if it's not making you money. But the more you continue to show up and get in front of people, build your audience, remind people you exist, next, the opportunities will start coming. People will start asking you focused questions. Like, hey, how did you do this? Like, I didn't even realize I was a side hustle coach until... I was drawing all the time and people thought I was doing Perspective Collective full time in the beginning. 
And I'm like, no, actually I do this as a day. Uh, I have a day job. I work a little corporate cubicle, you know, and I just do this all outside. And they're like, well, how do you do it? Like all these questions kept coming in. I'm like, how do you build this outside of a day job? I'm like, okay, what if I just like listen to people and start answering their questions? And that's where it, it all opened up. I'm like, oh my gosh, the demand started showing up because I was doing all these other things and I just paid attention to like, here's the demand. Here's a unique solution or problem I can solve. You know, to me, it came on later. That was the third ingredient of the sweet sauce. Here's the passion. Here is the strength. And now here's the opportunity, the demand, the market. So to me, I'm a big believer. Like if I just go all in and if I can focus on creating value and impact, the opportunities, the money, all of that is just going to come. It's it's woo-woo. It's having faith in the unknown. If I put faith that if I just trust that I'm working towards something big, that it's working back towards me, it's never let me down. And from the past, I'd be like, there's no opportunities out there for me. But I've, I've climbed the wrong ladders against the wrong walls. And man, it beat me up, put me in depressed creative funks, made me feel like I wasn't good enough. I was trying to chase the coattails of someone else's success. So I don't know if I have a definitive answer is this is how you do it. But I feel like your gut is going to tell you at the end of the day, like, hey, is this lighting you up like a Christmas tree standing erect and tall in the middle of March? Or is this, you know, something, are you just chasing this because it's a quick buck? Is this a hell yes or is it a hell no? Are you yeah. in it for mm. the right reasons? Is this $200 little logo you're going to do on the side really holding you back? If you say yes, this is that really holding you back from like, who is this conversation? I can like get back to someone and rock their world and create a potential like, future customer or a coach in student out of it, you know, by just getting back to these people one-on-one with audio messages and blow their minds versus like spending my time doing this 200 crappy logo that I don't want to do at all. And it makes me feel zero joy when I'm working on it. Like there's a joy meter somewhere in you. So I think part of it goes back to the conversation where you were, we were talking about not knowing step Z when you start step A. I guarantee if you talk to those people right now who have those, like there's like a couple huge Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. And I guarantee those were 100% passion projects that were just started for fun in their parents' basement or in their own basements probably. And they blew up to be massive and they're making tons of advertising dollars because because people love that stuff. Like they're passionate about it and they built it and they had no idea that the opportunity was going to come. They built the opportunity for themselves. So I do like kind of what you're saying here of like, hey, you step into it, you lean into it, you take massive action or consistent smaller actions, you get a few wins, you build your self-confidence and then the opportunities will start to present itself. The opportunities may not look like what you thought they would look like, but they will be there and they will be plentiful if you have put in the work and the grind and you have the skill set to back it. Totally. Well, this reminds me of two stories. Uh, One of them is about my great-grandfather and the other is about a 14-year-old kid a long time ago named Philo Farnsworth. So we're talking about how do you get started on this creative journey? And we're also talking about education and we're talking about doing something new that no one's ever done before. So this guy Philo was a farmer and he was in the fields one day, real smart kid, and he was plowing his, his father's fields. And then it came to him, this is before TV. He said, you know, the way I'm plowing this field, I bet would work if I could control an electron and have it scan over a screen and then I could have a moving picture on a screen. This kid invented the TV as a 14-year-old. What? He went and talked to his professor, and his professor helped him get that idea off the ground. And then years and years and years later, Philo got to watch Neil Armstrong land on the moon on his TV in his living room. Crazy. My great-grandpa uh, 
super smart guy, but he was in school and he had this idea. This is a very, very, very long time ago. Might even be great, great grandpa on my mom's side, but he had this idea for something called a vacuum tube. And he sat down with his college professor, vacuum tube, for those you don't know, is the predecessor of the microchip. It's like when we, fir- when we first started to have computers, they ran on vacuum tubes. And he had this idea for a vacuum tube. There was no such thing as a vacuum tube. He went and talked to his professor. The professor said, oh, that'll never work. So he gave up on it. And you see mentors, you see people that are encouraging creatives to take that next step, to take that risk. And I, I think in a, in a lot of ways, whether you're successful or not is almost irrelevant. It's did you do the next scary thing so that you could do the next scary thing so that you could do the next scary thing. And what you learned along the way, that was the real prize. And back to the hero's journey here. Sorry, I'm like monologuing here, but (laughs) you look at these great stories about like Luke Skywalker or Frodo Baggins or, you know, fill in the blank. It's all these great heroes and all these amazing stories. They learn something about themselves along the journey. And that is the truly most valuable thing that they take home. It's not getting the girl or finding the treasure or getting a ring that can make you invisible when you put it on. It's what they learned about themselves. And that's where I think for us as creatives that we should really be focusing on. It's not, was your project successful or not? Did it enrich you? Did you grow and get tools to do the next thing? And man, I just, I'm obsessed with that. And you know, we, we talked about Andy J. Pizza earlier today, and I got to give him a salute on this episode because he, he really got me thinking about that. Not just what's the, nary, what's the next scary thing, but how do you leverage your current success to have a future success rather than just doing the same thing again and again and again for the rest of your life. So as we wrap this interview up, Scotty, I, I, it would be, I would love for you to give our listeners, you know, a place to connect with you. Like if, if you have some, yeah, I know you have your coaching program, tell them where to go for that. If you have a specific social media platform, whatever call to action you want for our listeners that have jived with your message here, I'd love for you to tell them where to go to find more about you and what you're doing. Yeah. You can uh, connect with me over at, on Instagram, coach Scotty Russell, new handle as of late, which was a scary but necessary move from a marketing standpoint. Also, if you just need a weekly little boost, a little fire lit under your ass for that mindset, motivation, and marketing, you put yourself in a position to do your thankful time one day outside of a day job, family, life responsibilities, then check out the Perspective Podcast, new episode every Wednesday. So those would be the two main things. Lots of free information out there. And if you want to connect with me and learn more about coaching, just DM me or email me. That's it. We'll call it the, uh, the one-two creative punch. It's uh, Six Figure Creative every Tuesday morning and then the uh, Perspective Podcast every Wednesday. That should be every listener uh, of our up. podcast. One-two punch right there. Consume wisely. That's what we're talking about. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> All right, thanks, Scotty. Yeah, man, this was great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate thanks you. Thanks for coming on. So that is it for our interview with Mr. Scotty Russell of the Perspective Podcast. Self-proclaimed side hustle coach. Chris, what did you think of that interview, dude? He was so awesome. He was so refreshing. And it was kind of cool that he could just kind of, when you meet another podcaster who encourages people for a living, it's amazing to just watch them like tackle a subject and talk about why you can kick its ass. And I love that. No, that's, 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 he started talking about how he's like, he was like the guy at his, at his job, at his work, you know, and all the things he does and his team captain for football or whatever. Like, yeah, you see guy, he's like, a, he's a, he's like a big dude. He's a jack dude. So he's like, he's, you're not at all surprised that like, he's that kind of guy just by hearing his personality. Like he is the motive. Like that's 
more than anything, I think that's his superpower as a business coach is being like the motivator behind things. And I think that's probably an area that I'm not great at because I'm good with the advice. I can help problem solve. Like my big superpower is problem solving. I don't let any roadblock or problem get in my way, but I'm not a great motivator, or at least I don't feel like I am. Chris, you're probably better at that than I am. I'm more like, I can't motivate you, but I'll kick your ass. Like that's, <laughs> that's like, I'll get your, kick your ass into, into place. But Scotty's just so good at making you feel like you can do it. Yep. Well, he had so many just like one-liners and, and you know, the American uh, scheme. <laughs> dude, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I love interviewing podcasters. Cause like, dude, like, so, you know, this, like just from in the, in the world of interviews, like sometimes it can be like pulling teeth, getting, like getting people to really talk deeply into a subject because they're either afraid to overshare or they're not, you know, they don't do a lot of interviews, but with, with podcasters, especially Scotty, it's like, you can just, here's the thing, here's the thing I would like you to talk about. And you get 30 minutes of great, amazing content that is so valuable to hear and like brings up six more topics to talk about. So man, I love doing uh, interviews with podcasters, especially Scotty was, in, was no exception. Well, and today was a big day for us. This is the first day that we did two episodes in one day. Yeah. So it's still, uh, it's June 8th right now. We just did the, the interview with Rodrigo Tasca earlier today. And so this is, yeah, this is our first time doing multiple podcasts in one day. And I think we have the same thing tomorrow. Or do we have another day this week? I think that we podcasts? do have another day with two, but yeah. I, I could be wrong. I'm not mad about it. I've, I've enjoyed it. Like it's usually we'll go a full week without seeing or talking to each other. <laughs> and then it's like, actually, sometimes we do twice a week where we're just chatting with each other. But yeah, it's, it's fun to do it that way. And not that our listeners really care. We've lost most listeners at this point. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we don't have anything valuable to add at this break. point. But, you know, we, we like talking about and sharing some of the stuff that Chris and I are going through. Cause like when we, talked about the transition from six figure home studio to six figure creative. Like that was very much a kind of a scary step to do. And the big gap we've had between podcasts of like six or seven or eight months, I don't know how long it's been. That was even scary. That was awful. Like horrible. Like I hated that. Like every, that much time off sucked, but we did take that next scary step as Scotty said. And I'm really enjoying the, the, the fruits of that change so far because we've gotten to talk to some really cool people so far. Interviews you've heard so far and interviews you have yet to hear that we've already recorded or we're recording this week. Like we have some really cool stuff lined up. And I and just uh, talking to, to Scotty today about other guests we can interview that he knows that are great guests. We're going to have some more amazing guests on the podcast if any of those people agree. Like we, we have some awesome stuff lined up for the podcast and it's fun to share this with our listeners, even if we only have 10% of our people listening at this point. Thanks for listening. You're my favorite. Yeah, I'm so pumped. You know, it's a, it is so weird to think about how many cool people we're going to get to meet through recording these interviews, how many new friends we're going to have. And I am, I'm ecstatic. This is so exciting. Yeah. And it's, it's good for you, listener, because remember, you're the hero in this journey. We're just the guides and we're going to guide you along with some cool guests to get you to your destination, which is LA or New York. What were we, where were we at with that? I don't know. Let's talk about good things. Uh, that's a reference to a previous part in this episode, listener. That was a joke. Huh? Laugh with me. All right. So let's wrap this up. There, there's again, we're at this point. I'm just, this is what happens by the way, when we're like two, two episodes, two outros, it's like, you know, I've been on the mic for many, many hours today, counting like pre and post uh, interview stuff. And so like, you know, my brain's, my brain's fried. So with that, we're going to wrap this up. Anything you want to add as we sign off on this episode, Chris? Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. That's all. That was so dumb. I think I'm feeling the two episode a day burn here at the very Gosh. end. All right. I'm going to leave that in just to spite you. <laughs> I'm not editing that out. All right. We'll see you next week, bright and early 6 a.m. for the next episode of the Six Figure Home Studio for the Six Figure Creative Podcast. Oh, <laughs> I'm leaving that in too. There it is. Leave it in. Leave see it you in. guys. <laughs>